Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Ralph. How are you? Well, I'm a hell of a lot better than last week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about you? Yeah, yeah. I, it's still I feel a little nervous that uh, there might be some tricks on the side of Trump and lawsuits or weird drama. So I feel like it's another eight weeks of uh, like uh, maybe using weird wording and uh, say inciting civil war and what, and then. I just hope mm. we, we can calm down a bit after after I, all this. I did hear someone yeah. say, like, you know, don't be sad. Donald Trump's not going away. <laughs> He's, he'll find a way to get in the Yeah, he'll start no his own TV either. station or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, like, there's no shortage of space for crazy people on television, for sure. So yeah. stay tuned. And then yeah. there's the whole uh, attention economy problem that uh, it, regardless of candidate. and But overall, mm-hmm. it's... Uh, it's a good. I hope Khabib uh, that, that what Biden was saying in the speech, like we could turn the temperature down a little bit. Yeah, and you're in the Netherlands, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, are, were people dancing in the street there as well? No, no, no. But uh, <laughs> uh, 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 I, I texted some friends in New York, and uh, yeah, it, I just immediately felt a lot calmer. That that's what I felt. Everyone felt like um, I think the best hashtag I saw on Twitter was like. Uh, that it was like Return of the Jedi and that final scene and it's just like the ticker tape parade. <laughs> I can never I, imagine, just, I, I can never yeah. remember which Star Wars movie is which so if people give me a, a you title. You know the one where the they're movie? all like putting medals on each other and there's just like everyone's like smiling oh, and it's like okay. rounds of applause. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. did it. Yeah. We, you know, we it, blew up the Death Star. It's funny when you have these movies and the, which also is today's movie but all these movies are always like seven minutes of stress and one minute of relaxing. And then, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I think Lord of yeah. the Rings is the best example where they're just like running a triathlon 15 times throughout the movie and it's like, oh, give me some elf bread and then they can chill. Wait, for wait, him. wait. But I, will, I have a, a point of view that the end of that, like the last in the trilogy of movies is like 15 minutes of celebration at the end where they, and they even do like memories of oh, yeah, yeah. previous movies. Is that it's the like, one that they made the montage of where he's waking yeah, up in the they, bed and then, yeah, but like isn't the mon- end of the movie that he, he's like, Oh, I can't deal with this happiness. Let's go find a challenge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can't remember exactly how, with the ha- whether they like lead into the sequel, but um, it's definitely a lot of celebration, such that I was like, I lost complete respect for Jackson <laughs> after that film. Yeah, yeah. Um, which brings us to tonight's today's. Uh, usually, we record during the day, and now it's evening here, so that's it's why evening. I'm so we got We got to get this done because you got to get to bed. Uh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> but, I'm good. It's uh, nine. You stayed PM. up late. Thank you for staying up. I mean, normally I go I go to bed around five p.m. But uh. now this is a, a this is a film that is like. Um, I just I hadn't I haven't looked up anything other than watching it and I, I couldn't even remember if I had seen it when I was a kid but there were enough you know because I would have been relatively young when it came out I don't yeah. know how old you would have been but I was like a teenager. Well, I was ninety five, so we were both yeah, like 15, fi- 15, 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like I watched it at a friend's house, like without paying much attention because I don't know as I was paying a lot of more attention to it this time around. Um, there's some things that that stood out to me though. Anyway, it, I think it's, it's, it's a fun yeah. As I was watching it, I'm like, this movie is incredibly good and incredibly bad at the same time. <laughs> there are a lot of things they did right, and then you're like, whoa, that's yeah. woke. And then there are other things where you're like, oh, uh, not even why'd you do like that? like there are all these elements that are um, that that other people executed on later in in a much better quality, but right, they, but argue, they did like, do it. The, I mean, even. Yeah, even Keanu. Like, I don't even know why they cast him in this movie, frankly, because it's a cyberpunk movie. Well, he's got, I, like the nerdiest guy ever. I I, but. I uh, was reading up a little bit about it, and one of the things about this movie, so for our audience, Johnny Mnemonic, it's a, a cyberpunk movie. You know, after Blade Runner, there's a lot of cyberpunk dystopian future movies, and this is one of them. But it's based it's on a William, William, it's based on a William Gibson short story, right? Yeah. And, which and, was a later Gibson, or not later Gibson, but a short story in Omni magazine. I know that much, yeah. uh, which was, a, I don't know if you but, ever read that magazine. But the, the director is named Robert Longo, and he's known for these mm-hmm. photorealistic charcoal drawings. And it's kind of art world dude, a successful yeah, 80s crazy. artist. And he started doing music videos, and he's interested in expanding 
the realm of his practice. So he's like, I'm, I'm not just someone who can make realistic uh, charcoal drawings. So doing music videos. I can also make cyber, cyberpunk movies. Yeah, but I, I think, I, I'm not completely sure, but it, it, he was talking to William Gibson and he's like, uh, let's do something together. And they wanted to make a, an art film not a Hollywood yeah. film, and they had they were looking for a, a million and a half as far as budget, but then okay. I think they just had the wind behind them, and like you know the wind was blowing in the right direction, and then Hollywood was like, no, let's make it a Hollywood Hollywood movie, and I think that's when they lost control. Oh, because I yeah I can see this of being being like a purely like um, philosophical kind of sci-fi. Fringe film, conceptual then, research, yeah, conceptual, like like yeah. what if mm-hmm. what if data m- uh, melts with the mind, and what do yeah. you give up memories for storage, and what is your identity if you lose your memories, and questions okay, you like, like to that. do a little summary. People should know, like it's actually a short story, so it's a very short summary too, right? There's this guy Johnny, and he's like, now none of this makes any sense, of course, by present day standards, but he's a data <laughs> courier, yeah, uh, which means like he carries data like think of him as the dark web and he can carry he carries dark data around in his in his brain um like he's a courier like a fedex courier yeah dark but he only has a an 80 gig hard drive in his brain well which he yeah, then doubles with a device drive, thankfully he, he yeah. doubles it to 160 which is already edgy and then they actually dump 320 gigs in there so he has a really bad headache oh yeah and if you put too much data in your head you have what's called seepage and then you usually have twenty four hours to to live, and which which immediately is, is like these really cheap storylines to just <laughs> increase the tempo. Sure, but he and, and he erased his childhood memories to make room for these. I, we, they never yeah. show him erasing them specifically, but anyway, that's what he says. Yeah, um, when he eventually meets up with this um, this but woman it, who ends it, up being kind this of this is definitely the, the the this feels like this was the study for the movie The Matrix. Oh yeah, for sure. And I guess the plot, like after like, that, but what I mean is when the when they put the data in his brain, he's like, "Hit me!" and he he bites down on something, and it's the exact same as in when when Neo is learning karate or kung fu in, in the Matrix. Yeah, or later when he tries to hack into the photocopy shop to get the facts <laughs> that he sent from <laughs> Singapore. I mean, this uh, movie is wonderful. There's <laughs> so many delicious details. Yeah. And he, yeah, but he uses virtual reality after dialing on a phone. Um, anyway, like to find a phone number. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Everything you definitely is phone need number a 3D based fo- interface. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna use my television remote control to surf the internet. Anyway, yeah, um, to find ten digits. Yeah. In some ways, actually, before we get into all of the different like sci-fi projections, that, yeah, there's so much fun to have there. Um, just like the plot. Uh, after this courier concept kind of falls apart because basically the the tension throughout the film is he, the decoder for in, for the encryption of the of the memory or data in his brain is like was torn up in this like incident that makes no sense at the start of the film yeah the yakuza wants the data and he yeah. he has to transport it and i did see a, a few details that link back to previous episodes so the the actor of his agent uh, is it is it the same guy as from Baccarat? Oh, really? The German guy? Oh, I, yes. Ido yes, Kern yes, yes. or something? Yeah. So uh, something goes wrong and he's like back on the phone with his agent, uh, his underground underworld person. And he's like, dude, they put too much t- data in my brain. What is this? And he's like, it's fine. And so it's the same guy as the bad guy from Baccarat. Oh, and also, I mean, there are other. And then, like, and then the the yakuza boss was the same guy as from Battle Royale. So yes, I yeah. mean, and we talked about him in a previous episode. But uh, and then Ice T, of course, is in this film. As actually, I wish you had introduced me as J Bone. What's your new name? Because <laughs> Ice T, uh, this must have been Ice T, one of first Ice T's first movies. Yeah, that was I, New like, Jack City. He was in, I think, because he did the soundtrack also. Yeah, like speaking of people who like you know went from one thing in this case music to acting, but and like, didn't he I was do like, Law oh, and Order? Was, well, of course he did. Yeah, but I was like, I didn't realize he was doing. I I just forgot that he was in this film. Anyway, um, I remember like, when when uh, Soldier Boy was having an online fight with Ice T and he was calling him old, and then Ice T kept old. yeah, but Ice T kept saying, 
I have layers of icing on my cake for every year. He's like, I, he's like, every year he had a project that made money. So he was making fun of Soldier Boy for being poor. And he's like, no, I, I mean, I see. No, I think I see. Obviously, like if you look at his filmography <laughs> or his, his resume, is it's like, you know, you look at an artist's resume and you're like, wow, two pages. This guy's probably got like a thousand pages. So. Yeah, yeah. It's like an encyclopedia. Encyclopedia yeah. <laughs> like Ice-T. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he plays a character in this film where he's like kind of leading the cyberpunk um, underground. Like, yeah, he's like a, a, the host of Burning Man. He's kind of, I kept thinking he's kind of like QAnon or something, or he's like some kind of conspiracy theory, but I guess they tilt it left a little bit in the film where these they're trying to liberate... Yeah, yeah. I think I think the 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 modern underground anti-mainstream media is is very different from what it was in the nineties. Well, that it just occurred to me that's something that didn't age the way I thought it would. No, yeah. In nineteen ninety-five, we should talk about all the aesthetic stuff because the 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 whole aesthetic of uh, piles of old TVs and things like that. Okay, so yeah, so we should. Okay, so let's put it. Let's put it where it is. It's in the cyberpunk genre (laughs) and a virtual dolphin and yeah. Oh my god. That's a whole. There's a whole episode. Uh, yeah, we're yeah. just dropping these hints now, and people are going to be like, "What are they talking about?" Dolphins. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. thought we were talking about iced tea. But I think for anyone, <laughs> anyone doing media art, this movie is a must see, isn't it? Yeah, I think if you're like, "Hey, where'd that idea of sea punk come from?" Or actually, even like, there's a cyberpunk movie, uh, video game coming out next month called uh, Cyberpunk 2047 or whatever. I think that's the the name of it. I can't remember the day. They've, it's always twenty years ahead, right? So, yeah, it was a um, couple of years ago. Everyone was doing dolphins. Huh? Yeah, but I'm thinking like you know a lot of the aesthetics that we take for granted on the dis, you know cyberpunk side of things. I'm not saying this film established them because there obviously there are lots of different you know things. Well, Blade that, Runner. This would have been, yeah. In terms of popular context, this would have been a pretty early one. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's mainstream. let's go by like the story is so unimportant. I think so. I would suggest well, that's that what we I just let's go just, by like, all finish. these visual cues. Yeah, but let me just finish yeah. the story. So okay. In terms of the story being, oh, like the reason, okay, so he has to get this data. All you need to know is the rest of the movie is he's trying to get this data to Newark, New Jersey, which, <laughs> by the way, in the film is Toronto, Canada. Like all it's the, the shots only are free city. Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the only free city in the world. So it's like, is it too expensive to film in Newark? I guess. Let's go do this in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> And the rest of the film is just them trying to get the data out of his head by various measures. And in the end, you don't. A dolphin helps him get the data out of his head. That's what we're referring to, using like hypersonic waves. Well, they, they, uh, they, everybody keeps saying you got to meet Jones. He's the only one who can solve this. He's Jones, and they're like, yeah, he used to be in the Navy. So he keeps thinking he's going to meet this person, but it turns out it's an enhanced dolphin. Yeah, he used to help like scan submarines, Russian subs. He he would hack and, submarines uh, with sonar, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So between the dolphin and this woman who founded a, a farm, and then there's the preacher, the and then there's Henry yeah. Rollins. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it, it's not even. It would take us three hours to describe the details of how the plot makes some sense, um, <laughs> but just know that you're trying to get the data out of his head, and it's like it's yeah. like the remember he also did that movie with Sandra Bullock, Speed, and he's got like you know that's um, a Dutch director. You know, they can't. They can't decelerate but below, you know, whatever, 40 miles an hour or something yeah, like that. Yeah. This is the same where it's like, oh, my God, we only have 48 hours to get the data out of his head or 24. Yeah. Um, and anyway, in the, at the last minute, they figure it out. So there's the plot. <laughs> um, along the way, I think it, it is just a complete uh, excuse for aesthetic uh, exploration. Yeah, in, yeah. In which, which you would expect from a, a visual artist as a movie director. Well, here's how I would characterize it is like all the plot points from the beginning to where I just described them getting out involve various torture scenes of just tell me where he is (laughs) (laughs) and like torturing someone to get information out of them to get to the next, you know, place where they, you know, they can't get the goddamn data out of his head. So So, at at first I wanted to discuss the costumes a little bit because uh, Robert Longo is known for this series of works called uh, people in the cities or men in the city. And it's, it's people in dancing poses, but very well dressed. Mm. Yeah. So the the idea of the yuppie and the urban professional, uh, he kind of that was Johnny a focus of his work. That. Yeah. And so all the wardrobe kind of feels. Would you say it feels eighties or it feels more nineties? But or it feels it definitely like, feels eighties. Feels it feels like it feels the eighties like ended in ninety four or something. Yeah. Yeah, it feels out of date for the nineties almost. Like yeah, because it's not Gen X 
styling by any means. Like they're not wearing like a uh, plaid and torn denim, right? Like, no, no, which would have been the style. But then it's kinda... a particular kind of suit. It it feels it's not a businessman suit. It's a fashion suit. So his his Keanu Reeves' suit is a bit oversized. His collar is very prominent, and the collar yes. hides the tie. And then his haircut is weird. Like his sideburns are cut above his ears, almost like a Forrest Gump haircut. So it's kind of a cool look. Yeah, but it's funny when you have to design the haircut of the future because you have the fashion at the time and then you just combine a few things the same way Captain Kirk in Star Trek has these weird triangle-shaped sideburns. They're like, yeah, that's probably how people will dress in the future. Well, same thing goes for makeup. I don't think anyone would have projected like, you know, that we would just want to look more tanned. Yeah. <laughs> with like, but then, yeah. And, and slightly less, you know, and, and look like we're not having makeup. Instead, like in that club, there's a woman with makeup and she looks like, it's like clown makeup, literally. Like it's... Oh, well, it so, feels like a bad version yeah. of, of the character in Blade Runner, the female android. Oh, yeah. 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 That sure. was definitely a, a throwback to that. It felt like... But then the, the, the mob guy, the, the Ido Karen or the, the German actor is wearing a kind of Chinese glittery, almost female suit. You're talking like about Udo Kier, right? Yeah, it's it's a golden suit that he's wearing. Yeah. I didn't Which, even recognize that was him in the film because he's like distorted by television noise throughout. There's the a lot of Nam Jung Pike references. It feels like the, the, the way they there, film screens and the, the way they stack screens and... There is an actual Namjoon Pike sculpture in the film. I haven't reference checked it yet, but okay. it's like there's a at one. It's like a split second. You'll see there's like one of Namjoon Pike's like figures, totem figures, where it's kind of like yeah, yeah, um, yeah. horizontal for arms, like television stacked sideways and, and upways, and it looks like kind of just like human yeah, and and the totem. dolphin in in his uh, aquarium is a total Damien Hirst reference. You think? But Damien Hirst hadn't made that sculpture yet. I Maybe looked it Damien up, but Hirst. he did. He did. It was a few years <laughs> oh, before. No. Oh wow! Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. So that yeah, you're probably right. It was fanboy riff, like riffing on that on that like yeah. blow those executives. But what socks I mean with, with the costumes is that the the more professional or the meaner the people are, the better they're dressed. So Johnny goes to these people that he gets the data from, and they're kind of unprofessional criminals, or maybe they're even scientists, but they they don't know what they're doing. So their suits are. Their ties are not tied well. The the top button of the shirt is kind of untied. The they don't yeah. the suits don't fit well. But they're still kind of Japanese stylish, like with cool glasses, but kind of nerdy. Mm-hmm. They they're, they're nervous, so they're not well dressed. He says that he says you don't look like who I normally work for. Yeah, exactly. But then when the bad guys come, they're dressed perfectly, and it, not perfectly in a boring way, but more in a yoji yamamoto from the early 90s oversized suits and interesting collars and a mm-hmm. double-breasted oversized suit sort of thing and um so, what i like about suits is that it's it's this constant formula throughout the years that only slightly changes mm-hmm. so it's fun getting into it and seeing the differences and uh no, you're really good but, at suits. Like I'm terrible. I have like my wedding suit and nothing else. But <laughs> well, the only I way to get like, good at it is just to buy a bunch and then see which one you like the most. I know. We've talked about this. I think we never yeah. did do an episode on suits, but we should have. But I know um, that you will never spend on yourself, so. But aesthetically for me, I was obviously more interested in like the technology aesthetics. Yeah, yeah. Some of the ones that um But I think we never talked to, we we never really in movies before we talked about how uh Fashion is used to introduce a character and to set the tone mm. of the character. Yeah, no, that and makes a lot of sense. It's the same way that the J-Bone and the aesthetic of, of that group seemed very Burning Man. So the, the underground movement mm-hmm. that uses scraps of old technology from mainstream culture to subvert mainstream culture. And so they dress with lost, lost and found pieces and, and uh, have sort of tribal makeup that kind of references... Uh, Native so, American I, warriors. I think when you're looking at that too, you're thinking to yourself, um, how come this aesthetic hasn't evolved as much as it should have? Like it's almost like the present day. Yeah, it's is funny. Recreating that almost in, in almost like in well, it's a nostalgic aesthetic. Now. I've 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 been going to punk shows and there's always this this form of crust punk and the aesthetic has not changed since it was invented. So maybe early eighties and it's like sort of an army cap with piercings in the cap and then cargo pants and an oversized bomber jacket and dreadlocks and 
yeah, that has not changed at all. And, and but there were some, there were also some punks that wore suits, right? Like no, no, no. But I'm talking about crust punk like, in particular. This sort of squatting, oh, the the band Crass and things like that. And right, it, it's funny because they're all unique in their own town. They're like fuck the system, and then they get together and they're all exactly the same. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I definitely felt like they, this was riffing on, you know, yeah. I don't know some of the, some some aesthetics that were probably present. I couldn't tell you. Whether there was what the real world cyberpunk like, whether Jaron Jaron Lanier as an example, who looks like T Bone, you know, like sorry J Bone, yeah, uh, in this film, whether and <laughs> the J Bone that didn't the, work uh, out for, as much, yeah, for our listeners who don't know, is like you know one of those uh, is, is like a new media philosopher writer works at Microsoft on their uh, you know mixed reality stuff. He was kind Lights of a, one of the reality. inventors of VR. One of the inventors of VR. Yeah, so you'd, you'd assume Jaron at the time was al- already, maybe he was like part of a scene, but, you know, definitely of that like dreadlocks, even though I think it's appropriate of um, realm of like, you know, yeah, cyberpunk. But, but maybe what's interesting to me about this movie is that it took a lot of existing ideas and like, mm-hmm. like every movie in, in the 80s, the end scene was in a factory. For some reason, every action movie is always in like an industrial area where you can point the camera up or down. There's a like it's very three dimensional, like the end of the yeah. Terminator, like the, every movie. And um, so, it a lot of parts of the movie are kind of bland and whatever. And then they do all this stuff where like, wow, they really saw that coming. Like in this film, there a bunch of it takes place inside of the the sort of cyberpunk uh, underground headquarters, but it's like the Brooklyn Bridge or something, or not the Brooklyn Bridge, like the Manhattan, one of the bridges, yeah, like under yeah. some kind of bridge. Yeah, just like a big American bridge. Probably the George Washington, now that I think about it, because it's Newark, right? Isn't that? Anyway, I'm going to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not a driver in New York. Um, <laughs> you should and, be. And there's like, they, they kind of inhabit the top of the bridge somehow. They don't really, they don't really explain how it all functions. Eventually you're inside and it's huge. Um, I was just thinking like that. I think the reason that that was the aesthetic of that era though, the industrial spaces, that kind of thing was just that in the eighties there had already been suburban white flight, you know, away from the center city and uh, industrialization of the center city had ended. And so the center cores of cities felt like abandoned, like the Detroit myth that still exists. Yeah. That's the, that's when you have to take a time machine and like, buy a property in Williamsburg where everyone was too scared yeah. to go. Yeah. Or Dumbo or something. Yeah. Right? Like where that actually did happen. Yeah. Well, you know, I think Dumbo is really the, uh, that shot of like when you're in Dumbo and you look at the bridge, I think that's what you're talking oh, about. Oh, at the Williamsburg bridge. Yeah. 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 It actually feels just like that. That's a great, that's a great reference. You know, when you're at that, there's the, for our listeners who've been to New York, you've probably been, been, maybe you've been to the brunch place under the Williamsburg bridge and you look up. And it, I think it's the Brooklyn bridge. I don't know. No, no, that's the... The Williamsburg oh, Bridge right. goes to Williamsburg, right? I, that's right. I mean, yeah, I live right by the, both bridges, so I should <laughs> you're know. living in New York. Yeah. <laughs> you're right, you're right. It's but like I Brooklyn never go to Dumbo. Brooklyn, so I don't know. And I'm like, we're like a couple idiots. Like, this is the, we live in New York. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the, the, the idea of the... Uh, what are some of the new ideas in this movies, aesthetically, like that they introduce that were used in the matrix and other things. Um, well, uh, yeah, like some of the other aesthetics that well, from the technology standpoint that stood out to me anyway, were the first kind of attempts. Well, first of all, I want to talk about how you visualize data. And in this film, yeah, yeah, that's an the way point. any data gets visualized is like, it's just still a problem that isn't solved. And it's you can 3D see graphics. it wasn't solved then. Yeah. yeah, they're like, how do we show the internet? That was like a question in 1995 that persists to this day. I know. I've, I've known so many artists, or when you do workshops, young artists, and they all have the same idea. I want to make this big image about data overload. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they talk about how there was data overload at the time. The f- they, they refer to it as the 500-channel universe, which, of course, is, you know, LOL. Cable um, television. Because they're, think- they're thinking, like, internet is cable just to... <laughs> So like, yeah, what's that song? I, Ten thousand channels and there's nothing on, and then yeah, yeah. So it's it's weirdly quaint in its projections on yeah, that level, yeah. where it's like, you know, actually, and the and movie takes place wants, in 2021. Yeah, exactly. It takes place in our present day. Yeah, 
um, what was not present day then. But obviously, like it, everything is still CRT television. So the concept of a digital signal didn't even exist then, which I think is like so every, there's like static noise on everything. <laughs> when they yeah. when they use the internet, they still look for a dial tone and then key in numbers on a telephone keypad. No, but of, but also the whole idea that the network was so slow that they could never you could not imagine shooting 320 gigs over over the network so the and whole plot wouldn't put, have worked yeah. if, if it had fit on the network it would take me about an hour to transfer yeah 320 gigs but uh, the, the, my the, connection there's so many movies where the plot of the movie is that they have to find an object and that like yeah whether it's uh, the Marvel movies and they have to find some gemstone to fit into Thanos' No, glove. you're right. Like, you know, the, the, and this is a movie where you would assume he could have just taken the disc with him across, you know, on the <laughs> plane or whatever. Yeah. Um, which they transfer. Well, he's a smuggler. Brain. So, so the, in the idea of the plot is if, if he would travel by plane and they would detect the disc and they would take it. But the other part, the data in this movie is the cure to a disease that half the planet is suffering from which comes from data overload and people get the yeah. black shakes and they die but I, but I do want to like continue this thread around how the information is made aesthetic so you know you have the no no but what I what I wanted to say is that he is carrying the only copy of the data that would sa- save half the planet oh yeah and, and so there's no the, data redundancy yeah and the it's, idea yeah, it's that save you wouldn't the make world. a copy is uh, it, the movie wouldn't work if there were multiple copies well, there's a scene, and it's ridiculous, where after he gets the uploaded the data into his head, and they haven't verified that he can hold this data or whatever, they're like, okay, they literally say, it's like an out loud line, they're like, now just delete the only copy. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> and you're and like, it's Wait, like why? the why most valuable wait? research on the planet. It's like the cure for COVID. And you're like, okay, we only have one yeah. copy. Let's burn it. Yeah. And we didn't print anything. No. We and we killed all the facts. people that knew anything about it. And yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, but the inf- like information at various points in the film, you're right. Like so, in this first uh, first scene, you get a taste of it when they do the upload, and they upload it via like um, this like connection on the side of his head. At other times, which kind of looks like a headphone jack, like jack, yeah, jack. And when yeah. he does it, he also wears like a VR headset, they, which they he never also, explain. He how. also puts a piece of plastic between his teeth because he he uh, Got a, bites. Yeah, it's gonna be stressful. He, what do you call it when you grind your teeth? Yeah. And they, yeah, there's lots of close-ups of his teeth of the pressure of his mouth from the stress. Just taking this data in. So they try and make it physical. Wasn't that I the think, same in, in The Matrix, that they did close-ups of his teeth? Well, I think The Matrix, yeah, gets at, like, the body shakes when it has too much information. Yeah. And that's it. We, we should mention. So, you know, part of the effect of all of this information and the information overload and people jacking in and all of this stuff is that half of the world's population has this problem called the shakes um, and their bodies have been augmented in some manner. And and Henry they're, Rollins they're, is a doctor, and he explains that people get the shakes from all the info. Yeah, and they can't handle the information, and so they like have these seizures all the time. And the idea, I think, of seizures, it's funny because in the first scenes they show some anime films, but I remember being you know, alive at that time in a teenager and like watching anime and there being a warning before you watched it that, that it might cause epileptic seizures because mm. of the uh, yeah, the yeah, signals yeah. having strobing and bright colors. And so I think there was this vibe, specifically because the movie starts in Asia, that Asia was like ahead of America in terms of information kind of overload. Techno society. Years. yeah, Techno society. And what this was coming for America. Like, watch out, you're all going to like... You know, well, we're all going to be like I think Japan was also ahead uh, yeah. at the time with overpopulation and it felt like an overwhelming amount of of input and overwhelming amount of people and yeah. and the the ironic thing is that now they have depopulation because a lot of people don't have kids so they're always kind of in the future where we're going to have to go to a post growth society with if if well, yeah. economies prosper people have less children and if I, think, I think if I remade this movie, though, I'd put Zuckerberg in that living room at the start. <laughs> He'd be like, hmm, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I know how I could make this, <laughs> make this work. The, one of the funny yeah. tropes in, in these movies is also that end of the day, like he's a data smuggler, but it's still about karate and physical fighting. It, it's just yeah, so funny and, when you think about torture, it. Like as if and physical torture. As if um, Jack Ma, or was the guy from Alibaba, and, and Jeff Bezos would meet in a room and then fight it out 
Well, I think the funny thing is it assumes that the humans are necessary at all. You know, yeah, in this, yeah, yeah, yeah. In this future. Oh, there's also an AI in the movie, by the way. Yeah, we should. <laughs> yeah, so I was trying to get into it by, by starting to describe the information aesthetic. So yeah. one of the information aesthetics is an AI. Yeah, the first mention I, I think that I've seen, I, I can think of in a film where they specifically use the term AI and they use the term ghost in a machine, which would have been a, a William Gibson, I guess, concept as well as others. Um, but there's this pharmaceutical company that found the cure. Their founder died, but was uploaded, you know, and I guess that's a neuromancer thing too from yeah. William Gibson, was uploaded into the, they don't refer to it as the network, but I guess kind of into the, the mainframe. She said, I'm in the mainframe. The, she says the mainframe, it's true. And she come, she appears in a ghostly manner as a video signal, which weirdly, I'm going to state this because there's it's really high contrast, Raph. Like, she appears as a video image that looks like film transferred to television. It kind of looks like a Bill Viola piece. Yeah, but it's it, yeah, it's it's shaky and jittery, like bad film or bad it, video. And then later, other people appear within video networking, kind of interactions in VR, and they're more digital. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so every everything is whenever they show data, it's three D rendered, and it's kind of early nineties three D. But which, not her. She, she's no, like, but she's, she's like from the she's 1970s. photographic. Yeah, yeah, and ghostly. Well, like she's Swiss, so it's image. different. I almost think like Namjoon Pike or someone was like consulting on the film aesthetically and saying like, no, 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 you need to distinguish between the digital body and the video body. But it feels like Namjoon Pike art directed the whole film, except there Bill Viola had like a little guest spot. (laughs) No, yeah, you're right. And Bill Viola even has a a video he called The Space Between the Teeth, where like the the close up on teeth is actually a Bill Viola reference. But Bill Viola has those, those TVs he puts in a, like a, gasoline barrel at the bottom and then puts water over it and it's a black and white tv so it kind of looks blue that's kind of how this ai looked to me like this ghost of a person yeah or like namjoon pike's um buddha uh video looking at itself uh, loops yeah looking at itself yeah yeah. but um so i wanted to describe that because it then they'll like they jump at one point and it's i want to refer to this one scene because it's when it shit gets real and it's like they blew their whole budget (laughs) in this one scene (laughs) Uh, and in this one scene, um, halfway through the film, he, uh, Johnny, has figured out that he can get the encryption code by hacking into basically, yeah, like the Matrix, Raphael, as you were referring to earlier. Like, and he can like surf through it physically to arrive at the location, uh, like to find the data, basically. And he, first he visits the hotel he was in. So he has to hack he himself. The, like, That's the idea. Shot. Yeah, 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 exactly. And but the first thing is he walks into this room that's like full of technology and he's he's like I need a transfixer two seventy five I need a a, a vibe phone sixty two that's and, a, a and very YouTubeable scene like that's the shareable scene from the movie yeah, yeah. and then he's like I need two Thompson iPhones <laughs> <laughs> and I sent I sent you an image of this because I was like iPhone what did he know that the iPhone was going to be a big deal he predicted it and it's like I look at the closed caption it's E Y E phone. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe Steve Jobs still, watched this movie and he's like, oh, that sounds good. Totally. We need iPhones. And specifically the whole, like, it's funny that he goes into this room because he's, before he gets into this room, he's like, I just need a computer. Yeah. And I kept yeah, yeah, that, myself, Well, that was like, kind of a meme. He says, I need a computer. I need to get online. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, dude, check your pocket. <laughs> it's like, you it's 2021. are a computer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> the fact that he was not a computer also made me laugh because he had like a IO, right? Like, um, like he is a computer. Yeah. So I don't know what. Anyway, well, so it's it's very clear computer. that in Blade Runner, the advanced technology is these machines that look like humans. So the special effects are really easy, and then here, yeah. when you try to predict the future, it's always going to look outdated later. Well, the idea of mobile computing. I, and because they, they took a lot of liberties with the original story, was already alive at that time. I know this because I was already I, I was part of a research group like studying it in 1998. So three years later, so it would have been just that they were because they refer to satellites throughout the film. It, again, it reeks of Namjoon Pike that way, like because you know the state of the art is. Well, satellite, Robert Longo was definitely though, familiar with Namjoon Pike. That's uh, yeah, yeah. But I just think it, it of the art network. I think I think you're right to point that out from the beginning because a lot of the references feel like 
people that were projecting the future in the 80s getting their opportunity to make a film in the 90s or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let, so then he get, so he gets everything he needs. He's got the iPhones. He's got like the computer. They pull it all off the shelf. And he has a VR headset that he puts on. And I, this VR headset is a huge reference for me. I've done it a bunch of times in my work without realizing it even. But it's like a half of a cylinder that's like... Um, just over his eyes. This just like yeah. this aluminum With cylinder fabric. over his eyes. Yeah, and it, and it looks like exactly what everyone is still trying to create for us at home. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, like Zuckerberg just wants to yeah. create the Jolly headset. And the, yeah. Um, the other thing that I then, was, was reminded of is that this struggle between the corporate and the homemade, so that the, the, the technology in the end that wins is the crappy technology, but he is still using the high-end technology, but then... The bad guys yeah. can find him. Well, we'll get there. But let's, I want, I, Ralph, I got to describe this full setup. So okay, he okay. also has a pair of gloves. And this is like, in the last couple of years, has also been the aesthetic pursuit of like 25% of the VR communities. Like, how do we get the hands in there? Well, it seems and, like the idea was around and now the technology is mainstream enough to make it. The idea was like definitely there. And he, this is pre-Matrix, pre um Pre, not pre-Matrix, pre, um, what's it called? Um, the movie with uh, Tom Cruise. Lawnmower Man? No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Minority well, Report. Lawnmower Man. Pre-Minority Report, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's like, the but the gestural interface is, I think it's pretty progressive to have shown in this film because at that time, the mouse was a new invention, relatively speaking. Yeah, yeah. And here he is, he's and like wearing And in the Matrix, they did everything in command line. Yeah, and in the movie, though, in, in this movie, he's like scaling things. He's zooming in by pulling his hands he's apart. Pinched I don't to know if you zoom. some of these. Yeah. He's pinching to zoom. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, I think maybe the iPhone thing is not such a stretch. <laughs> and he's yeah. like, he's sitting over this like grid thing and he's moving around. And he seems to be so efficient and effective in his VR headset. I can't imagine someone not being like, that's the future. That's it. It's right there. That's so he's cool. done it. Yeah. Keanu, he figured it out. <laughs> um, and in 2021, that's exactly where we're at. So I thought, anyway, that was a nice projection. Yeah. And that scene, it seems like it was done by a completely different team of technologists. <laughs> like, because it's, inside, the information design itself is also all 3D. He's like this 3D character that's all like stretched. And it looks like it looks like kind of what we would see as internet aesthetics today. Like almost, right? Like it's like the color and the composition has like a C-punk aesthetic to it. I, I, I wanted to, uh, just what I was, I just thought of it just now, but... Yeah, the idea of time. data overload is in this movie is 3D graphics, yes. uh, quickly rendered, quickly cut, quickly edited, with and weird it, brief snippets of JSON like <laughs> brackets with like. But in the Matrix, anyway, they they have this clear distinction between actual reality, which really sucks, and that kind of feels like the same uh, underground layer of of uh, iced tea. Yeah. Sort of if if you're if you're down if you're against corporate world then. You have to give up all the comforts. So it's industrial and ugly and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Then there's the corporate world where everything's shiny, people are well-dressed. And then in the Matrix, they have, instead of doing information overload in 3D graphics, they do everything in code. So it's command line, green letters on a black background. Um, and But it's a weird mashup of that. And that's where I think it's it was but like... The, but the Matrix at, sort of... Uh, didn't do the 3D Lawnmower Man graphics. They moved no, away from no, that. No, they didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of went back. The funniest thing like, to me about the Matrix is that they're supposed to go into the Matrix and not be noticed, but then they decide to all dress really lavishly and no, stand yeah, out all the true. time. It's like they went shopping. You know how in video games there's usually like a store <laughs> to customize your character? And they're like, we want all of the stuff that costs the most money here. Like <laughs> Instead the, of the dressing outlandish. like really non-core. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, give me the insane emotes. and Yeah, give yeah, me the like, highest boots is... you have. And <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but I did like the 3D aesthetic vision of the, the like information matrix kind of space because um, it was mixed with cliches as well. Like, so you have your zeros and ones and they get transformed into light balls that travel through like 
different things. But then there are these moments, like there's this one moment where he has to get into the hotel, which doesn't make any sense, but he's like, he has to decrypt. He doesn't have security password, but the password's not a number. Suddenly the password is he has to solve a 3D puzzle made out of their logo and he's doing it with his hands. Yeah. And so there are these moments where it, it actually does leap into this space that's like way more fantastic and interesting than zero zero one. a password, you know, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. And I wish, I almost wished it like went, and maybe you're right, Lawnmower Man's maybe another thing for us to look at, but like I wish it gone even further uh, down that hole because it started to get kind of interesting, I thought, aesthetically. Well, it, it does um, seem like I always wish that the world would uh, give bigger budgets to artists just to mess up and maybe do the wrong thing and not to be mm-hmm. too predictable. And it felt like this was one of those moments where the artist was not ready to make a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, and it, there's a little bit of, like I'm saying, there's like, there's, you look at it and you're like, oh, the future is video art in the 1980s. And then you're like, oh, wait a second, the future is for a brief moment, they kind of figure something out that's new. And then they're like, okay, let's fall back on what we know. So I do yeah. think there's, I don't know, I want to investigate that scene further. I guess we, I won't be able to include it in this podcast, but something was going on in that scene. Yeah. Um, and, and one of and the things I, to, I find interesting is this, uh, when you step out of the matrix and the matrix is even more clear, like you have a nice comfortable life, you have a nice apartment, you have a nice job and you have to give mm-hmm. all that up. And then instead of food, you get this protein porridge that doesn't taste like anything and you have to sleep yeah. without blankets and wear all all the broken clothes and there's this general no, I, thing yeah, that, that if you want a better world you have to have a shitty life but also the villains in this film if you contrast the way villains are portrayed now they're usually portrayed in like a modernist clean environment but then they were and they're usually like millionaires but the millionaires like, are like the bond villain type of yeah they're actually living more like less industrial chic and more like just polished high-end like modernism but back then everything's like dark like the villain you mentioned uh udo kir but also takashi katano this movie is so dark they're basically it's noir it's like film noir they're just barely lit yeah. you know throughout well the whole, the, the whole cyberpunk genre i think has all these uh i i can never i tried reading philip k dick and i think i read neuromancer once and the, but all the cliches of like a guy down and out on his luck with a bottle of whiskey and behind the wheel and a cigarette and then dark at night and I could, no, but I think you're making a good. I point could never get like, past that pulp movie sort of thing. Like it's kind well, of cheesy. It's technology was the realm of the like the basement nerd right for a long, long time, and so I this is like and even science fiction. And so aesthetically, this is just a speculation. It could be a terrible point, but was that the, the aesthetics mime the basement, right? So basement aesthetics mimic high technology in both villains and heroes of the time. But now high technology is evocative of, you know, an aspirational, um, like high point. And so it's like luxury and, um, the people mm. that control the world. It's not the basement anymore. It's the top but of the it, tower. In, in Blade Runner, it's kind right. of that they have the, you know, the 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 investigator in a trench coat and the the what do you call it? The blinds that make a, a shadow on someone's face in the the stripes mm-hmm. that are in every cop movie and saxophone music and uh, like a, a a rainy alley and like a, a woman that's beautiful but dangerous and. All that, well, all those kind yeah. of ideas are in Blade I'm just, Runner. I'm just thinking of that film Ex Machina as an example. Oh yeah, um, yeah. That's the, the that's the modern sort of Apple Store aesthetic. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Where that's um, that's the that's what I would consider the sci-fi aesthetic of present day. Yeah. Now, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that cyberpunk doesn't exist, but if you're thinking, what's the wh- how is technology being projected as an aesthetic? Maybe more, future, yeah, everything's more consumer-friendly now. We're used to everything being, back then Package, it was, yeah. you would solder things yourself and now everything, yeah. like you can't see the inner workings of a machine anymore. Yeah, like it's, to me it's evocative. In the movie, they, they like they're dropping burning cars out of their headquarters and stuff like that. And there's just like, everything's collapsing and decaying and out, rising out of that is like this, still grimy aesthetic of the technology. The technology aesthetic was actually grimy. Like video was not aesthetically pleasing. I don't know how to describe this, but like even just, if you look at my video works from 10 years ago, they're really ugly. Like the color spectrum was relatively small. The resolution was low. Yeah, the, the contrast is weird. were yeah. shitty. They, you know, like, so nothing was good. I mean, the weird thing is this movie is 
like film noir and, and it's dark. So the camera that they were using must have been incredible because like yeah, the whole yeah. movie is dark, right? Well, they shot it, it on it, about a that video, video video art aesthetic. Uh, we saw this Dutch video artist. I always forget his name. Arnold Mick. He has a strange name. Mm. And he's a very established video artist. I think he had a solo at the MoMA at some point. But his body of work is kind of from 82, I would say, until 2008. Mm-hmm. And I was walking around the, his show at the Stedelijk with a friend, and he's like, wow, he really operated exactly the era that um, video technology was very ugly. Because before the 80s, it was all film, so it had a charm. And now all the SLRs kind of look like film, and he was exactly working in the whole era in yeah. between when they were trying to figure it out. Yeah, and there's like video synthesizers, and like a lot of stuff was handmade by artists. Yeah. I think you mentioned Bill Viola earlier, or you did, and it's interesting because he was one of the artists, first artists from that era to punch through uh, and try and make video equal to photography in terms of aesthetic value. And he was the first art, you know, one of the first video artists to use HD video and yeah. high end production and do really. Remember, he did at least hyper. And he was very mode. good at being pretentious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's he like the camera video, captures the soul. He was able to sell it, basically, yeah. right? He, but he packaged it in a way that he could sell it as a luxury good. Whereas this is still of the era where video is really about death and decay. And the end of society. It's also about right? resistance. Like, yeah, like oh, the, yeah. the 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 corporates have all the fancy equipment. And yeah, that's probably a better point. Actually, it is yeah. a form of resistance, and that that's actually a really good point. Um, I'm going to give it to you because video getting and reclaiming video in the 1970s was an, a political act against the mega corporation, like the big television yeah. channels. There were three or four of them. It's like now we have the technology, yeah. right? And, yeah. And throughout the film, right? Because once everyone has voice. a camera, life will be better. Yeah. yeah, but even in the, remember that he's in the hotel and like the there's like a video signal that interrupts the regular programming. Is like, hey, wake up! They're washing, they're brainwashing yeah. you, right? Wake up, fool! And so, it, yeah. And it's weird then, how the that, the, the right wingers have now appropriated that aesthetic. Totally, totally. Yeah. Yes, yes. And I think also in the 1980s, um, that political movement became the cable access movement. And a lot of our listeners probably wouldn't remember this. Maybe some of them would if sort of like enough, the Chris like, Byrne. Uh, What's the well, the idea was like if we have the means to Chris create Burden, content, we, we all should be able to broadcast it. Yeah. So the idea of broadcast at one point, T Bone or Ice T says J Bone. In the, in the, J Bone, sorry. In the movie, he says, like, we're gonna go live, we're gonna go broadband, we're gonna broadcast. Yeah, and and yeah. then these and then he like shoots it off a satellite or whatever. And that's like a huge deal, right? Like I'm using a satellite. Um so it's, absurd, it's right, so funny that uh, like first people were really worried about overpopulation in Japan mm-hmm. and, and maybe the whole world and then later people are worried about underpopulation and about an aging population so the exact opposite of something causes just as much stress so yeah and and the same with uh, access to technology at first we're like why do only those three networks get a camera? I want a camera. I want to tell people what I'm about. And if we democratize the distribution, everything will be better. And now we're like, holy shit, everybody has a camera and now everybody's depressed. And what can we do? Well, no, I also think like the last 10 years have been the process of de-escalating the internet. So let me explain. Like in the film, I joked about how he, he uses like a television clicker to change channels on the internet and to like dial in on his modem and do video calls and stuff. Right. Um, but if you think about it, like, you know, Apple TV, Amazon fire TV, all of these devices, Alexa, the, you know, the, their Alexa's responding, all this stuff, um, has reduced the, the, the interaction model the internet. Yeah. yeah. The interaction model has been reduced to voice. Yeah. Which there's also no browser on, on, on the Apple TV. There's, there's no, you can't just surf any website. I'm not dialing a, an IP address or a yeah, phone number, yeah. like in, even in the film. And so I think <clears throat> the film is actually interesting in that regard because we've gone through a full cycle of escalation and de-escalation. Yeah, yeah. But not only that, it's it's also the idea. It's always, I was hanging out with a bunch of people. We're kind of doing technology startups. You know, like 10 years ago, everybody wanted to make a dedicated screen for art. And yeah, it was yeah, always exactly. the pitch that if you bring art to more people, that it's better. Yeah, that's I mean, always the pitch. That, but I just don't think that the screen thing makes any sense. No, but the the <laughs> idea is always that somehow art is inherently a good thing, and therefore, if you bring it to more people, it's better. And then, 
you could argue, well, there's already Comic Con, there's already video games. Why is that not art? And that's democratically well, it's also an available. Argument. It's a, an argument against all content that's already available. But yeah, yeah which is and, but not the fair. the idea that if something spread and goes viral, that it's inherently makes the world better is just very funny when you think about it. Like, um, it th- something changes when you distribute it. Uh, you will change the content for the distribution. So. It's not inherently better. No, but that's what I was getting at earlier, which is the cable access thing was a huge... And that's why... So we ended up with cable access channels in most cities because people did win that political battle. They said, hey, the people deserve a channel as much as the television networks. Yeah. This seems so quaint now because, of course, the people have a channel, right? Yeah. Um, but I think you know, now in this sort Twitter, of weird post-truth era, people are like, oh, we, we do need curation and we do need... Uh, Scientific authority, we mo- and uh, yeah. we need to monitor the the monitors, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah. They don't really get into the algorithmic outside of like um, control outside of that AI ghost in the machine. It's funny because the ghost in the machine has almost no power. They just have this soft power. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, you got to do this. Her, for her me. power is like they're like powerless. She tells the yakuza <laughs> guy like, "Hey, you got to be a good person." I know, she's just like a mother-in-law giving advice <laughs> or something throughout the film. I mean, it's probably inappropriate. Don't forget, it's that, not all like, about you. Yeah, she, she <laughs> says that at one point. Um, yeah. I don't know, there's there's still more to talk about in this film, but... Um, yeah, the music the I don't really had, quite you know, remember. It just felt like generic action movie soundtrack. It's kind of like, yeah, ba- the, there's a B-movie-like vibe to this film that I think the music enhances. There was um, a a character. I don't know if it's called uh, trans or drag or please help me, but uh, uh, that was a progressive thing. Oh, one yeah, of the bodyguards of Ido Kerr was a, a tall yeah. man in women's clothing. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. To be honest with you. Okay. Um, but I didn't even I didn't notice the music either. And there's probably someone that's like, oh my god, you don't you realize this was like avant-garde that, yeah that was like <laughs> brian eno collaborating with afix twin yeah, and, yeah. Exactly, exactly yeah actually afix twin would have been making albums at that time and that would have been or square pusher would have been more that interesting would have been, that would have been so incredible yeah. yeah um or even if you had done some of the ninja tune stuff well it is was, it is funny this is the same era as those progressive uh, music videos from warp records and chris cunningham and mm-hmm. whatever doing weird yeah. dystopian stuff yeah yeah well, maybe maybe that's why it wasn't what it was. It wasn't received that well from a box office standpoint, right? Like no, and th- this is 40, I think it has a twelve percent rating on on Rotten Tomatoes, which wasn't around back then. So that's no. like a retroactive rating. Yeah, um, five point seven on IMDb. Yeah, but I would say this movie is incredibly good and incredibly bad at the same time, which is definitely an interesting achievement. But at only 90 minutes long, I mean, you don't have that much. I just, I, I watched it when I woke up this morning. It did it feel a, related. Quick, to, what was that movie that we wanted to review and I just couldn't? Uh, the one about the, the, the... Oh, Strange Days. Yeah, the VR helmets. Uh, not VR, but like the... the yeah, it's wetware. Yeah. I mean, wetware is something that like this movie talks about and Matrix has and the merging of obviously the human body with data. It's all media um, theory in these <clears throat> movies. It's all like, oh, what if you see an image of yourself? Is that you? I think this is, you're making a good point, which is, and it's also where the challenge in making a film like this lies, which is like, how far do you dip your toe into the theory? Because the theory is more sophisticated than what you can represent sometimes, And, and right? the theory doesn't necessarily translate to story. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's not going to be relatable to a, an audience. Like, they're not going to have, like, you know, the cyber feminist manifesto references in this. I mean, I think that said, I mean, I noticed injected references in here, but... And your average audience might not pick up on those references. And yeah. is it worth it? I don't know. Maybe yeah. they do. There's, You're supposed to respect your audience. I, I love that scene. I'll put the sound at the end of the, this episode where he's complaining and he's like, I want room service and I want my shirts pressed the way they do at the Four Seasons. Oh, yeah. And that was like an American Psycho scene almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is this, this yuppie thing that I also am a victim of sometimes that I... I want this sort of hotel lifestyle going to Tokyo and having uh, nice sushi Mm -hmm. and et cetera. And it's just such a, I just love that feeling of. uh, But are you making a point like Johnny had to descend? But but what I mean is that in in this movie that that is, that that, uh, wanting that is a bad thing. And at the end of the day, you, you have to help the masses and you can't 
dress up and uh, enjoy mm. champagne. Like, that's a bad thing. But, no, I think you're making a pretty good point, which I didn't pick up on, which is Johnny is actually slumming it throughout this film. Like, Yeah, he's a reluctant he's, hero. Because he, he refer, like, Asia is this aspirational place where everything's nice. Like, in Tokyo, his suit is, you know, done, pressed a certain way. And now he's in America, and he's, like, got it, like... <laughs> Fucking Newark. He, he's on the Brooklyn Bridge in, in <laughs> yeah. Newark. Yeah, or wherever he is. And, yeah. he's, and there's, like burning cars i remember driving into new york the first time and being like why are there burning cars by the side of the road the only other place i've seen that is like on my way into moscow and yeah. you're like this there's why, no this place like new york. <laughs> it's funny when i when i first came to new york i just couldn't understand why the ugliest messiest place is the most expensive it's like, how does that make it like you can understand why hawaii is expensive but like why new york <laughs> no well, I mean, it was a cultural, I mean, it was the countercultural uh, center of the, the planet, right? Yeah. If you think about it, like it was Paris in the in the 1930s. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. it still is, it still holds a lot of that value, I think, for people. As, I don't know if it still has the same culture, cu- countercultural currency as it once did, because you can't afford to live there, but that was Yeah, what that's what I keep 90s, wondering, sure. yeah. But I, I feel like it's not a, a place anymore, It's a, it's distributed now. I also wonder whether counterculture as an aesthetic, like when you're looking for it, it's not spray paint in Berlin anymore, right? Like, no, no, no. Um, I don't no. think it looks the way we think it. Like the, no, the, the, but, the, I, this movie but I think, I think maybe with music it's more clear that you don't mm-hmm. think of a certain scene in a certain city anymore. You think of like different groups on, on that connect through the internet and they're not they don't happen to be in the same geographical location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The idea that you need to be together in a space was, was already obsolete even at the time of this film, right? If you're thinking of people dialing in over networks and even the surf clubs that, you know, preceded, well, already internet artists would have been working at the time of this, right? Yeah, they were already over, connecting yeah. with each other. But then there was still and kind then, of like a Berlin, Brooklyn sort of, connection scene yeah yeah well but then there's pockets in california and then there's bit in amsterdam and then there was barcelona and it's it's not so clear like downtown artists in in which is interesting because robert longo is one of the pictures generation and it's definitely an absolute like soho new york 80s feeling Mm -hmm. yeah I think we'd be much better off though with a distributed version of the underground. Personally, I hope that's what what we're, what we're developing, like a more global point of view. But yeah, it could also water things down because you have a monocle. I mean, I've, I think a lot of artists have this. They always hear about the surrealist meeting up in cafes and discussing things, and then coming to great ideas and making better art for it. And then the abstract mm-hmm. expressionists going to bars and fist fighting each other. And there's always this dream of being at the right place. At the right well, time. I wonder whether our next film should be. There's a, a movie I was reminded of last night. I was watching. Um, I was just talking about with my mom about some movies, and she mentioned Woody Allen, a Woody Allen movie where Woody Allen is a sperm the entire movie. I was like, "What are you talking?" Oh yeah, like, yeah. And my dad came and he's like, "It's hilarious. It's, it's funny. Like, yeah, yeah. We should do and that." And then we we're like, "But we're not allowed to watch Woody Allen anymore." But it also reminded me of a film that Woody Allen made called. Um, the reason it came up was he made a movie called Midnight in Paris, and uh, it, it's like. Every, it's like um, hanging out there's this like time travel in one cafe where you get to hang out with all the artists and philosophers in Paris you know admin from midnight to 6am or something mm. like that with um, you know Owen Wilson is kind of the I haven't film. seen it but, I, yeah. but then I was like I'm more excited by this sperm movie I, I think so yeah <laughs> but anyway we'll have to let, we'll wait and see if that's I thought the sperm movie was like we, a short film and it's like a bunch of short films together I, I remember this thing where he wakes up and he's a hippie sort of and he wakes up in the future and he's like oh I need some carrot juice and like what do you mean carrots they're bad for you we eat steak that's the health food now well, we ended up watching a, this movie called Everything You Want to Learn About Sex, but we're afraid to ask. Is it that like one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen that one? He's like a court jester, and then there's a guy that makes Is it the one where he's in the sex machine in the future? Maybe. I didn't get through and the, the whole And thing. the, boob, the giant <laughs> boobs going through the landscape. and uh, I was thinking the whole time, like, wow, this is like Raphael School of <laughs> Comedy. <laughs> just kidding. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. But, but there were there were a few jokes where I was just like, these are great. <laughs> I feel like I've heard this joke before. 
Yeah. Uh, I did want to mention a couple people just like before we end the podcast that we mentioned earlier. We mentioned um, one of the, not the Yakuza bosses, but the pharmaceutical boss was the guy from uh, Battle Royale, a film we watched previously. And the, the actor's name is Takashi Kitano. Yeah. Just so that we get that out there. I didn't want to lose his name. Actor and But there's painter. also, yeah. And then Dina Mayer, who I haven't seen in anything else. She plays Keanu Reeves's um, kind of like sidekick in this film. Do you know if she was? She's in Starship uh, Troopers as well. Oh, a movie. We, you're right. She's the she's forever. the the second love interest of the the hero who falls in love with Denise Richards, but she's more in you're love right. with him. Yeah, you're right. Um, I also didn't realize there's a sequel to Starship Troopers. She was in. Hmm, interesting. That might be a, another movie to. Did check we out review Starship, Starship Troopers. Troopers yet? No, and it's 97, which would be yeah. a great contrast. I, when I think back of the 90s, I just think of not thinking about politics. Like, oh, that was wonderful. No, I think you watched Starship Troopers today and you're like, holy moly, that was way ahead. Like, so far ahead. Oh, yeah, That's yeah, why yeah. I, have, like, I haven't like watched it since Trump then, aesthetics? Like, yeah. Yeah. But I'm pretty yeah. sure... Like compared to this film, you'd be like, "Oh, that's not the '80s." That was, they they projected like ten years. No, I, I watched it again recently. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, Don't you think right, it's, I, it's I, like so? Uh, like, I loved it. I've seen it a bunch of times, yeah. but I haven't seen it probably in ten years. Um, and that would no, that's another one for us that we've had on the list for a while. Yeah. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, sixty-five percent. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I th- I think uh, anything under seven. You know the the Razzie Awards, the the raspberries. Yeah, it's like yeah. the opposite of the Oscars for the worst movies, and um, those are the best films. Yeah, and then Paul Verhoeven made Showgirls, and he got a raspberry, and he's one of the few people who picked it up. Oh, really? And Showgirls yeah. again? He accepted he it, like, and he's like, "Thank you, I'm so honored." <laughs> 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 he had a sense of humor about it. Showgirls is pretty epic now. It's actually considered a cult classic. Yeah. People do like screenings where they bring feather boas. For Sace? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, it's like, um, what's what? Sorry? No, the the, 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 the the lead actress, she buys a Versace dress and she says, oh, it's for oh. Sace. Yeah. For Sace, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't hear it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, um, welcome back, America, I guess is the theme <laughs> <laughs> that we didn't really touch on except at the beginning, but yeah. good times ahead. Lots of work to do, but I hear, I hear he's already like getting down to work, getting down to business. Um, great team, Kamala Harris too. First female vice president. Well, I, yeah, I prefer to just say like you know first of many. Um, mm-hmm. I hope she becomes president in a way. She's pretty amazing. Um, if like Biden was vice, it's president, funny. I have no idea what they're about. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just happy. But I've, uh, if you ask me the details of them, I have no idea. She was idea. good in the debates and she had some pretty good policies okay. and stuff. Um, there's some controversial stuff in terms of her views on policing. Yeah, yeah. But if you ask me like, what's her different take on issue A, B, C, and D, I, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really not well, that we're political. Gonna, we're about to find out. Yeah. We're about to find out. Is, is it yeah, it's it's just funny. It's a funny era being apolitical. Well you can't be, can you? Well how that's not it, possible. It, it, it it's funny, like why couldn't you be? If you're just like, Yeah, I just worry about uh, my daily life and uh, someone else will figure this stuff out. Well, I mean, it's like identity. Can you be AI without identity? Can you be like in the Game of Thrones, the person without a face or whatever? No, 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 no. I think you're so deep in it that you can't, like the same way people <laughs> can't, can't imagine a, a world outside of capitalism. It's like, no, but Well, we didn't talk about, yeah. did you watch the Chappelle monologue? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. On Saturday Night Live? Yeah, it was great. Everyone should go watch that. It's kind of yeah. uh, a good good take on things. Yeah. Um, but I think it may be a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's, you know, you could be apolitical, but you're still political, right? Like, like why is Chappelle in a cornfield making a lot of noise? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Still political. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Well, everybody, <laughs> hope everything calms down. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that was the whole slogan, right? Simmer down. <laughs> take it take it down. <laughs> Turn a it down bit. a notch. Yeah. Turn it down a notch. That's the campaign <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think actually the campaign slogan is like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, looking forward to some come on, man. Style yeah, man. politics. <laughs> okay. Thank you for listening. Right, bye, bro. Bye, bye. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? You know, 
All my life, I've been careful to stay in my own corner. Looking out for number one, no complications. Now suddenly, I'm responsible for the entire fucking world. And everybody and his mother is trying to kill me if, if my head doesn't blow up first. Maybe it's not just about you anymore. Listen. You listen to me. You see that city over there? That's where I'm supposed to be. Not down here with the dogs and the garbage and the fucking last month's newspapers blowing back and forth! I've had it with them! I've had it with you! I've had it with all this! I want room service! I want the club sandwich. I want the cold Mexican beer. I want a $10,000 a night hooker. I want my shirts laundered. Like they do at the Imperial Hotel. In Tokyo. 